Chapter 11 Details I'm going to go off script immediately here. Many of you know that I'm very passionate about the Japanese culture, and I've spent a lot of time in Japan. I actually do a lot of teaching in Japan, bringing companies from around the world there to understand why the Japanese have been so successful. Well, I've really distilled it down to just one basic thing. The Japanese are very, very precise. Or another way of putting it is, they are not sloppy. They pay attention to the details. And their obsession with details allows them to produce very high-quality products that the rest of the world wants. So as I observed this transcend through their entire culture, I began to realize really just how sloppy I was in my life. And as a result, I started spending a lot more time paying attention to details and being more precise about everything I do. As a result, I wrote this chapter, chapter 11, called Details, and really a lot of the thinking is the result of what I've learned from being in Japan. So with that as the backdrop, you'll hear my points here in this next chapter, Details. When I did the outline for this book, I came up with over 48 different chapters. There was no way that Paul Akers was going to write a book that long. I'm all about short and simple and cut to the chase and get to the point and get it over with. As I finished the last few chapters, I noticed there were still a few things that I really needed to discuss. So I decided to add a chapter that summarized some important points and call it Details. Everything you're about to read is a result of me observing processes and then asking myself the following two questions. Where is the waste and how can I improve this process? By continually answering these questions, my travel experience is enhanced and more enjoyable. If you develop these same habits and ask these same questions about everything you do, you will experience the benefits of lean thinking at the highest level. In this chapter, I'm simply going to create a heading for every subject and give you a paragraph or two about my thoughts. So let's get going. 1. The Perfect Workout When I travel, it's important that I maintain a routine that makes me feel healthy, vibrant, and alive. Most of us have gone on vacation and gained 5 or 10 pounds, then regretted our laziness and lack of discipline. There is absolutely no reason for that, and I've completely solved that problem by creating the perfect workout I can do anywhere in the world. The first thing I do when I get up in the morning is drop to my knees and do 100 push-ups and 200 sit-ups. That's basically it. This 8-minute daily routine I have never missed keeps me tuned up and ready to go. Other than that, I make it a point to move at least 10,000 steps per day. That's all I do to stay in top physical shape. 2. How to eat healthy Eat plants, not food made in plants. It's really that simple. Don't open a package. Eat only fresh produce and fish, and you will thrive on vacation. Everywhere I go, I seek out beautiful vegetables and fruits that are readily available throughout the world. The key is you have to train your eyes to see these great healthy foods. Once you've done that, you'll find them with great ease. Just today, I checked into my hotel in Astana, Kazakhstan, and they gave me a beautiful fruit basket with 15 different pieces of fruit. Why was I so fortunate to have this? 
because I made it very clear to everyone I know that this is what I eat, and I do not want sugary or packaged foods. You couldn't spend more than an hour with me before you discover the clarity I have regarding how I fuel my body. My friends and colleagues definitely know this. En route to Kazakhstan, I stopped in Frankfurt, Germany for a few hours. My good friend Michael Altoff and his girlfriend came to visit me at the airport. I was shocked when Michael handed me an ice-cold smoothie out of a cooler he brought with him. He knew my health was very important to me, and he made and carried three smoothies with him for more than an hour on a high-speed train just so I could eat healthy food when my feet touched the ground in Germany. On another recent trip to Easter Island, our bus stopped for a few minutes so we could grab some snacks at a little store on the side of the road. Not me. I looked for another option. I saw a lady selling fresh produce on the side of the road and went over and bought a bag of fresh tomatoes and some tangerines. Well, everyone else was fueling themselves with the packaged crap from the mainland. I was nourishing my body with beautiful fruits grown in the island's rich soil. Throughout this book, I have tried to explain my thought process and how lean thinking has influenced the way I travel. The top priority in the lean world is improving quality. We always ask, how can we deliver more value to the customer by improving quality and simultaneously driving down cost? Understanding the value of quality is what allows me to so easily make healthy decisions while others are so easily tempted by what is cheap and fast. Eating correctly is not an incidental activity or afterthought. It is my top priority. In this case, my customer is my body, and the only thing I will offer to my customer is the highest quality healthy food. Now, I'm going to go off script here for just a minute. You're listening to me, and some of you might be thinking, man, that guy is like pretty hardcore about things. Well, I had someone say something to me about two years ago that I've never forgotten. You know how people say things to you, and it just makes a deep and lasting impression? Well, this happened to come from my cousin, Pamela Pastore in New York, and she's very successful, her and her husband, they're stockbrokers and everything, and they had read my books and listened to my talks online and watched some of my videos, and she said something to me that really struck me. She said, you know what it is about you, Paul? And I said, no, Pamela, what is it? Everything for you is crystal clear. There is total clarity and what you're doing, and what you're trying to achieve. And I think it's that clarity that allows you to easily cut through all the BS and get to the heart of the issue. I paused and thought, man, Pamela, you know, that's exactly right. I deliberately seek for clarity because as a young man and a D&C student, not a really sharp academic, things were not very clear for me. And I had to work extra hard to make things clear so I could comprehend them and get my head around them so I could be successful. So I think because of that disposition, I seek total clarity. So when you read through my book, this book and other books, you might sense that that's really what's going on. And indeed, it's not happenstance. It's very deliberate. It's how I compensate. Back on track, back to the book. Number three. My health is everything. If you adopt this mindset, you will be shocked at how easy it is to take care of your health when you're traveling. 
If you don't have your health, travel can be difficult, and you surely would not enjoy it as much as you would if you were in great physical health. If you're a person who is full of excuses and you want to tell me how difficult it is, I guarantee it, it will be difficult. I never have a difficult time, no matter where I'm traveling. Maintaining perfect health is easy and an absolute pleasure. Simple routines like carrying several apples and some nuts in my backpack make sure I'm always prepared in the rare event I can't find something healthy. You've heard me talk about my love for Kazakhstan and how much I appreciate and love the culture and the amazing hospitality of this great country. When I was there on my birthday in May, they had a great dinner to celebrate Armand's and Mitan's and my birthday. I stood up to make a toast. I told them I felt like I had Kazakh blood, that I really felt a part of the Kazakh people, and it was like I was at home when I was with them. Aiden, the president of the BI group, stood up and said, I was not just Kazakh, but I was also Naiman. He said that the Naiman people are a tribe of people from Kazakhstan that live by the water and eat fish. So I am Naiman. I focus on my health and only put the best nutrients in it. If you think like a Naiman, your body will love you for it. Number four, how to load a bus, train, boat, or plane. I wrote about this in chapter six, but I wanted to give you a little more detail here. It may seem like a strange subject, but believe me, there are some very important nuances to understanding when you're getting on these four different modes of transportation. For example, if you're loading the bus that takes you from the airport to the terminal, you want to be the last one on. Most people rush to get off the plane and onto the bus. Then they just sit there while everybody else is getting on. Slow down. The last people off the plane will be the last people to get on the bus, which puts them the closest to the door. They will be the first ones to get off and reach the passport clearance zone. Customs can take a long time, so it's best to be in the front of the line there. Waiting a little longer on the plane makes that happen more easily. The same thing applies to the rental car bus. If you ever want to waste 20 or 30 minutes, make sure you're the last one off the bus at the rental car office. Rental car lines are ridiculously long and they move really slow. Take a spot by the door of the bus so you can be the first one in line to get the keys and the first one to drive away. There are a few exceptions to this rule, however. When you're on a bus tour that is going to last more than an hour and a half, you want to get a great view. You should be the first one on the bus so you can sit at the front and have the best vantage point. You might need to show up 20 minutes before the bus leaves to get that seat. If you're planning to board a train in Japan, you want to sit as close to the train's luggage area as possible so that when it's time to get off, you can quickly grab your bags and get to the platform. Japanese trains operate with high precision and they wait for no one. If you're a busy executive and you know you need to do a lot of phone calls during a long bus ride, it might be best to sit in the very back where you won't be disturbing everyone with your phone calls and communications. You can choose which side of the bus or plane to sit on based on where the best views are going to be. When we flew from Santiago, Chile down to Patagonia, I made sure I sat on the left side of the plane so I could view the mountains more clearly. 
When we were traveling to see the glaciers in Patagonia, I sat on the left side of the bus because I knew the glaciers would be on the left side of the road we were taking. It only takes a few clicks in Google Maps to find this out. People on the right side of the bus were struggling to take pictures, but not me. The important thing is to think about everything. Remember, details. If you are in a particular hot or cold climate and the sun is going to be shining on one side or the other, consider that too. Air conditioners on buses don't always work well, nor do the heaters. Pick the correct side so you don't bake or freeze. I'm also very careful to observe patterns of people getting on and off the buses. I even ask tour guides and drivers where to sit because that first-hand knowledge can be invaluable. Little details like these can make all the difference in the world. On a boat, the best place to be is in the center because there's less motion. You should also consider how cold it's going to be. Tourists tend to rush to the open area on the top of the boat so they have a better view. But it is often very cold on the water. When they get cold, they go downstairs to look for a seat and all of them are taken. With nowhere to sit, they have to go freeze their butts off on the deck for the hour they're on the boat. You already know my thoughts about loading a plane. Always be the last one on so you have the best opportunity to get the best seat. Don't rush to get on. You don't want to sit on those tiny little seats for any longer than you have to. The waiting area is much more comfortable than the plane. I'm going to go off script here. There is one exception to that plane loading last. Whenever I take a sightseeing tour, I actually always make sure I'm the first one on the plane because those planes are very small and there are generally a couple seats that are strategic and much better. Namely, I'm a pilot, so I always ask if I can sit next to the pilot and generally I always get that position, which gives me a great vantage point going forward. If you ever want to get a good example of that, watch my latest video that I did in New Zealand. It is fantastic where we're flying through the Swiss Alps of New Zealand and I have a wonderful vantage point in a small little eight-seater plane. So in the smaller planes, I like to get on first. I like to ask for the co-pilot seat. And then I pay very close attention to where the wing is. If it's a high wing plane, I want to make sure I sit behind the wheels if the wheels don't retract. Otherwise, the wheels are in the middle of every picture I take. So in that case, I want to sit in the back of the plane, not in the front of the plane. So you got to consider all those things. Again, this is about paying attention to the details, being mindful, being thoughtful, so your travel experience is incredible. And it applies to almost everything. The same thing applies when getting on a helicopter. I always say, can I sit next to the pilot? In general, they always give me that position because I'm the first one to ask. Thinking about these details can really make a difference. You can be lackadaisical about all of the details. Perhaps it's not a big deal to you. But they have made my travel so much more enjoyable because all the little things add up to make big improvements. Five, how to book a flight. There are two good ways to book a flight. One is to use a website like Expedia that stores all your information, credit card, passport numbers, etc., and only takes a few seconds to book a flight anywhere in the world. The site is easy to navigate, prices are generally reasonable, and it retains records and receipts of upcoming and past trips. The only disadvantage is that when you go to upgrade on the day of the flight, the airlines will not always allow you to do this because the flight was booked through a third party. That brings us to the second way to book a flight. 
to book them directly with the airlines themselves. If you book directly, you have more flexibility in terms of last-minute upgrades. This can be very important, but if the website of the carrier that you're working with is not easy to navigate or cumbersome, you could easily spend 20 to 30 minutes booking a flight that you could book on Expedia in 15 seconds. For long international flights especially, you have to weigh your options and determine the value of your time and the length of the flight and the options that you think you might need. I have a few airlines that I book directly with even though their websites suck because they will not allow me to upgrade to business class if I book somewhere else. This happens the most with long international flights. At the end of the day, though, Expedia is my go-to site because it is fast, easy, economical, has all my information, and is more effective than any travel agent I've ever used in the past or will ever use in the future. It is stellar in all regards. I'm going to go off script here. There are two other apps that are really good for booking airline flights. Skyscanner is fantastic, and the other one is Trip, which is great for traveling anywhere in Asia. Six, how to book a hotel. I talked about this in chapter five. The last minute is when the best deals are almost always available. Period. End of subject. Seven, the travel map. I'm going to go off script here. My travel map is spectacular. It is absolutely unbelievable. I love it. It's in my workout room in my home. And every day I walk in and I go, wow, Paul, you have really traveled all over the world. It is so cool to look at and it's so well done and it's extremely visual. So here we go. I really recommend having a map that allows you to see where you've been and where you'd like to go. About five years ago, I ordered a large world map about three foot by four foot online and mounted it on one inch thick foam board I bought at Lowe's. The insulation foam board is sold in four by eight sheets, so I cut it down with a standard utility knife and used fast cap speed tape, peel and stick two-sided tape, to stick the map to the foam board. I built a custom vertical grain frame for it and hung it up. Then I started putting push pins for all the countries I've been to around the world. The standard red and green and yellow push pins that you buy in the office supply store were a little small, so I took a red three-quarter inch round fast cap, also from my company, and put them on top of the push pins. These are the push pins that have a little flat top, which highlighted and accented the map points and the countries. Eight, all of the scams. As far as I'm concerned, the mileage program for most airlines are a total scam and a waste of time. While I still put my mileage number in when I book flights, I can't remember the last time I was really able to use my miles. There always seems to be some exception or the airline wants to send you on some crazy route like routing you through Phoenix on the way to Alaska and you're departing from Bellingham. The next biggest scam is when you go to a car rental company and they want you to buy extra insurance or prepay for fuel. You've got to be kidding me. First of all, your insurance policy for your normal car generally has some kind of rental car coverage, and the credit card you use to rent the car often does too. Prepaying for fuel is a bad idea because the companies charge you extra high prices if you return the car without a full tank. The only way it possibly makes sense is if you return the car without a drop of fuel left in the tank. And nobody does that. The rental car companies know this and they make huge amounts of money off of people's ignorance. Nine, the perfect room checkout. Never lose a thing. I can't tell you the number of times I used to check out of one hotel and into a different one only to realize I left my charger, my toothbrush, my razor behind. Now this rarely happens if it ever happens to me. I don't forget 
anything because I have a simple process that almost 100% guarantees I never leave anything in the room. First, I pack up my bag and my backpack, roll them out to the door, and use them to hold the door open. Then with both my hands free, I walk through the entire room and my bathroom one more time, looking under the bed, carefully checking to see if I left anything plugged in or in the closet, safe, or desk. I'm not holding my suitcase, my coat, or anything else, which allows me to focus on seeing things I possibly could have left behind. I start in one corner of the room and systematically work my way out to the door. This has been invaluable for me. 10. How to check into the room. Hotels are notoriously slow for checking you in, and why it takes them 5 to 10 minutes to give you your room key is a mystery to me. I can check in for my flight in about 30 seconds on an electronic kiosk, but hotels go through this laborious long process to get you the keys and get you checked in. One technique I've used to speed up the process is to walk up to the counter with my credit card and license in hand and tell the clerk, I'm in a little bit of a hurry. Can we get this done really quickly? This puts a little pressure on them so they don't dilly-dally like they normally do. Next, when I get into my room, I'm very thoughtful about the way I unpack. I don't scatter my stuff all over the room. The more you scatter, the longer it takes to get packed up. So be thoughtful and careful about unpacking. Doing this will save you so much time and hassle. 11. Your phone and the rental car. Driving an unfamiliar car in an unfamiliar city can be sheer chaos if you don't prepare. I have learned it pays to slow down, get the stuff worked out, and then I can drive confidently to my next location. Long before I get to the rental car, while the plane is taxiing up to the terminal, in fact, I program where I'm going into my phone. I never drive out of the rental car lot until my phone has determined my location and knows exactly where to guide me. Set up correctly before you leave so you can enjoy your drive. When I get into the car, I put my seatbelt on, review the controls on the dash and steering wheel, and check the map on my phone to get a basic layout of the surroundings. Then I can enjoy the drive and not worry about finding the cruise control or the air conditioner. Make sure the phone has a good place to rest on the dashboard or console and plug it into your phone charger so its battery doesn't drain down as you drive. I always make sure my backpack is in the passenger seat so if I need to get anything out of it, it is within easy reach. Also, pay very close attention to where the gas stations are when you depart the airport because you will need to fill the car up when you return. You don't want to get ripped off by the rental car companies. I always rent the smallest, cheapest car possible. Small cars are much easier to park and easier to get around in, plus they use less fuel. When you do refuel, pay attention to the gas gauge. It has a small arrow to indicate what side the fuel tank is on. This will save you a little bit of hassle when refueling. If there isn't someone in the lot when you return your car, take a picture of the mileage with your phone so when you walk up to the counter inside the airport, you have the information easily accessible. The same process applies to dropping off a car as for checking out of a hotel room. Get all your stuff out of the car, and when your hands are free, go back through the entire car, checking carefully between and underneath the seats. The key is to have your hands free so you can concentrate and focus. I'm going to go off script here. 
One of the biggest improvements I've made to my travel is this. I bought a phone case for my iPhone on Amazon that is for running. And this phone case has hook and loop on the back side of it. It's basically the soft side of the hook and loop. Then it has an armband you put on your arm, and that armband allows you to stick the phone to it. So it's not inside a plastic sheath. So it's really very convenient when I'm running. But the reason I'm telling this story is because I actually travel with peel and stick Velcro strips that are about two inches long, and that would be the hook side. When I get into a rental car, I take off a piece of that, stick it on the dashboard, and my phone sticks to it. It is incredible because my phone is never shifting anywhere. I can orientate my phone in landscape or portrait mode, whatever works best for me. I can answer phone calls. It just works incredible. And that phone's not shifting all over the bloody car. It is really one of the best improvements I've ever made. And then at the end of the trip, I simply peel off that hook piece. It doesn't leave any residue. Put it back on the clear cellophane that it comes on. Put it back in my backpack in a strategic location where I always find it. And I'm always able to get my cell phone to stick wherever it needs to stick. For example, just the other day, I had to do a Skype call with someone and I wanted my phone to be hung at a certain position on the side of a wall. (laughs) Believe it or not, I just opened up my backpack, took out a piece of that hook, stuck it on the wall, put my phone on it and stood there and did a Skype call without fumbling for my phone. It was incredible. This hook and loop system on your phone is literally one of the best improvements I've ever made to my travel and just my general life. If you ever hang around with me, you'll see that I have hook and loop places everywhere, in my home office, in my office at FastCap, in my cars, and it takes a split second. I just hit my phone on it, boom, it sticks, and it's done. No opening up a clamp or some kind of a mount that holds your phone in there that's awkward and it takes two hands. It's just push the phone on the dashboard and it's done. It's so cool. I've got lots of videos of me doing that. So watch some of my videos on travel and you'll see all my cool tips and techniques. The best thing to do, though, is really subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Paul Akers, and you'll see me post video after video of lean improvements at home, work, travel, and everywhere. And you'll be up to speed very quickly on the way I think about everything. So Greg, our engineer, asked me, well, what do I do about foreign travel with my phone, SIM cards, and everything? Well, in the past, I've had a couple different methodologies. Some countries, I'll actually buy a little Wi-Fi router that I can travel with me that is proprietary to their particular country, and then I'm always on Wi-Fi, and that works really well. The other thing I do is I have AT&T service, and to be honest with you, AT&T has been excellent all over the world. I've really had great phone coverage in the middle of the savannah in Africa or in Denmark. It doesn't matter where I am. And nowadays, AT&T has a service that for about 10 bucks a day, you can have pretty much unlimited calling and unlimited data anywhere in the world. And so my time, again, is so valuable. I told the story already. It's so valuable because I value my time and people are willing to pay me a lot more than most people get paid because I'm very astute at the way I manage my time. So for me, being able to be fluid in answering emails, taking phone calls, and communication on any trip is highly important. So spending $10 a day on a phone plan when I'm traveling is nothing in the scheme of things for the productivity it adds to my routine. 12. 
music in the bathroom. I have to thank my good friend Michael Althoff from Germany for this one. When I stay at his home, he often lets me stay in his master bedroom. In the morning, I would wake up, turn on the bathroom light, and beautiful music would come out of the stereo system he had built into his bathroom. The second the bathroom light switched on, rock and roll would fill the room, energizing me as I showered and shaved. I thought this was so cool because you didn't even have to think about anything. It was all automatic. The music set the tone for the entire morning. As a result of Michael's example, I always travel with a Bose SoundLink Mini speaker system, which I play when I'm in the bathroom in the morning. It's a little heavy and bulky to carry with me around the world, but it's worth it. I love having high-quality music when I'm traveling. It makes me feel like I'm at home. 13. How to be an educated traveler. This subject is not just about being an educated traveler. It is about being educated, period. The key to understanding the feel of a place you're visiting is to go to YouTube and watch five or six videos about it. I do this all the time, and it helps me grasp the culture, the people, and what is important to see in a matter of minutes. My main example comes from when I visited Easter Island. I wanted to understand what the island was all about. I could have easily read about it, but I watched a documentary, and it gave me such an insight into what I was going to see and experience, because I knew what to expect and look for. The whole trip was that much richer. YouTube is great when it comes to educating yourself on just about every subject you could imagine. If you want to know how to run correctly, swim correctly, learn a new computer process, or find out about an exotic place, I go to YouTube. 14. The Knowledgeable Taxi Cab Driver There is no one who knows more about a city than a taxi cab driver. When you get in a cab, don't just sit there like a bump on a log. Ask the cab driver where the best place to go is, where the best restaurants are, where the cool spots that you can't miss are. Even more importantly, you should ask the driver where they're from. This usually turns into an interesting cultural exchange as they tell you about their life in Nigeria, India, Afghanistan, or all the other interesting places people come from to find a better life. I learned this concept from the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. The most important thing you'll ever do for any human being is to let them tell you about themselves and learn their names. It's not about you. It's about them. So I'm going to go off script here. You know, taxi cabs are great, and taxi cab drivers are very knowledgeable. I have to be honest with you, though. I almost exclusively use Uber now. Uber is an amazing service. I love the fact I never have to get out my credit card, never have to pay anybody. I just book it, and in three or four minutes, they're there to pick me up. I've never had a single problem with it. There's all these horror stories out there. I think it's all nonsense. It doesn't matter whether I'm in Krakow, Poland, or Kazakhstan, or in Thailand. I'm always using Uber, and it works fantastic. It's a great service and I cannot say enough good things about it. And again, the same thing applies there. These people are locals. They know the area. They know the culture. They know the hot spots. Quarry them and you'll have some very interesting conversations and maybe make some new friends. 15, one, two, three. This is not a rehearsal. I live my life by a few powerful concepts. One of them is life is not a rehearsal. So many people think that they'll do something tomorrow, next week, or in a couple weeks. The time is now. Every second is precious. Make the most of every second in your life and stop making excuses on why you can't do things. Start saying yes. 
Your life will be remarkable. When I meet people and they invite me to come to their country and visit them, I don't think to myself, well, maybe I'll take action. I look at my calendar and say, I'll be there in the next three weeks. The next thing you know, I'm in Portugal and a cell is showing me around all the beautiful sites in Lisbon and all the wonderful castles in Sintra. This has happened to me over and over again in my life, and that's why I have friends all over the world. I'm always figuring out how to say yes. Life is very short. The sooner you figure this out, the better off you'll be. This is not a rehearsal. Okay, I'm going to go off script here. So just so you know, a cell is not really a cell. I had to rename her because the actual person who it is is a very famous person who I met in a hotel in New York. And she invited me to come to Portugal. And when I told her I was going to put her in the book, she said, no, Paul, I don't want the notoriety and the publicity. I'm just too well known and and all these other things. So her husband is a diplomat in a very well-known country and all kinds of other things. So at the end of the day, you just have to know there's somebody else behind this character called Acel, and she has an amazing life, and she's treated me to some of the most incredible times I could ever imagine in Portugal. Okay, 16, embrace the world. When I first went to Japan, I remember Brad telling me, don't be judgmental. Don't go into these factories and find all the problems. Be open, learn, and experience all you can. Because if you go in there with a critical attitude, you'll miss the best stuff. If you're always looking to pick things apart and find the problems, you're going to miss the beauty that the world has to offer. Always look for the positive. People comment to me over and over again, Paul, you're so positive. You're so nice to everyone. You go out of your way to learn people's names and recognize the waiters, the busboys, the bellmen, and the people who seemingly would be insignificant. That is correct. No one is insignificant. I love people. I love to acknowledge them, and I love to encourage them. This is the way I approach everything in life, especially when I'm in someone else's country. My favorite thing to do when I'm in Kazakhstan is to visit the canteens where all the workers eat. The women who prepare the food there are so hardworking and so diligent. They do a great job. I always go back in the kitchen and thank them for the wonderful food and get some really cool pictures with all of them. They are always a little shocked that there's an American celebrity in their country who is taking the time to acknowledge the workers in the kitchen. 17. Patience and the Leopard Everyone knows the old saying that patience is a virtue. It may be true, but I guarantee you patience is not in my DNA, nor am I particularly proficient at it. I have, however, learned to improve in this area, and I try to do the opposite of what most people do and exercise patience. Being patient has produced some of the most fabulous memories. My favorite examples of this all occurred in Africa when we were on safari. For each of them, our time spent waiting for something dramatic to happen paid off. Each time while we sat in our range vehicle with no other action occurring, Three or four other range vehicles drove away impatient and frustrated, but I insisted we wait. As a result, we saw several spectacular sightings occur right in front of us. The first one was a leopard that had made a kill and carried it up a tree for safekeeping. As we watched, the leopard climbed back up the tree and dragged the carcass down on the ground right in front of our range vehicle so close I could have reached out and touched the leopard. Yes, 
It's all on video. The second one was watching a cheetah that had also just made a kill. After about an hour had gone by, a pack of hyenas ran towards it, and the cheetah ran off and left the kill. We got to see the hyenas tear into it right in front of us. Simultaneously, we saw vultures jockeying intensely to get the meat while the hyenas chased them away over and over again. It was unbelievable. We were the only ones to see it. The third one was a female lion that had lost her cubs after she had made a kill. She was yelling loudly, hoping they would hear her and return to her. Unfortunately, she had left them several miles away up on a little knoll and they could not hear her. After an hour of her yelping, she left the kill and searched for her cubs. We followed her along the road for half an hour and we saw them reunite. It was amazing. The lioness then led them back to the kill with the rest of the pride and they ate for another hour. Once again, everyone else missed the drama. The greatest one of all happened when we were in the Masamara National Reserve to see the wildebeest and the zebra migration. Thousands of the animals crossed the Mara River at one time, all while trying to avoid the crocodiles waiting intently for them. You never know for sure when the crossing is going to happen, but our ranger had a sense that it would be that day, so we parked on the riverbank and waited and waited and waited. Other range vehicles came and went, but none stayed with us. After about two hours, the crossing began right in front of us, and we had a front row seat. It was a world-class sighting. All of these events are recorded in my Africa videos, and they are sheer drama. I was able to capture these memories because I did the opposite of what other people do, and I exercise extreme patience. Now I have memories that will last me a lifetime. 18. Time Zone Magic This is such a small thing, but it makes such a big difference. The second you get on a plane when you're going to a new time zone, immediately change the time on your phone and on your watch. The sooner you start thinking about the new time zone you'll be living in, the sooner your brain will adjust, making jet lag a non-issue. For instance, if you're going to Germany and as the plane takes off, you realize that they would be going to bed in about six hours, you should start thinking about sleeping in six hours. I would take a sleeping pill to start switching my body clock before we ever landed in Germany. Then when I get there, I'm already rested and I began to assimilate into the new time zone. This can make a huge difference if you do it right. The first night, I take another sleeping pill to make sure I sleep through the night so that the next day my body has clearly adjusted to the new time zone. I do the same thing in reverse when I come home. I make sure to sleep when I'm supposed to be sleeping on the plane and take sleeping pills the first two nights after I return home. I don't want to be awake in the middle of the night. I learned this trick from a friend of mine based in Argentina who travels extensively around the world. Teddy taught it to me about 15 years ago and it literally changed my life regarding jet lag. I don't even know what the word means anymore. 19. Smile and sell some flowers. Off script, I already told you a little bit about this story, but here are the details of it. 
I have talked repeatedly about the importance of greeting people with a smile and being friendly. There's a small backstory that will give you some insight into where I'm coming from. When I was 13 or 14 years old, I used to sell flowers on a corner in National City near San Diego. After school every day, I'd be dropped off on a corner with a bucket of flowers to sell. Every hour, the driver would have to come back and replenish my flowers because I had sold them all. I was the top salesperson five times over. No one could even come close to selling the amount of flowers I did. I was earning between $40 and $70 a night back in 1973 and would come home every night and iron my money to make it flat. I made so much money that when I was 15, I bought my first car and sailboat. My driver was astounded and couldn't figure out how I did it. It was so simple. All I did was smile at everybody nicely who stopped at the stop sign after leaving the freeway. Hello, would you like to buy some flowers? With a grin from ear to ear, I guess everybody thought I looked like an innocent little cute boy. They would quickly hand me a $5 bill and I would hand them a bunch of roses as they drove off. Smile, smile, smile. Be nice and you will have a much better life. I actually reenacted this entire thing in a video called Paul's First Job. So if you go to YouTube or you go to Google and just type in my name, Paul Akers, Paul's First Job, you'll see me reenact this entire thing. And you'll hear my 92-year-old mother tell the story of when I came home every night with piles of money at 13 years old. 20. Never miss a sunset. Forget about all the material things in life. All the things that we think are important, nice cars, nice homes, expensive vacations, all pale in comparison to quietly sitting on the beach as the sun goes down. When I see a sunset or the sunrise anywhere in the world, I pause. I have a grateful heart. How lucky am I to experience this wonder every day of my life? The one thing, look for patterns. Patterns. 